What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have Carrie Finsend, who is an entrepreneur and a mental health advocate. What's up, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So one of the things I think I want to talk to you about is I want to start out with the entrepreneurial spirit that you that you possess. Oh, yeah. And I want our listeners to know what you started at a very young age and kind of take us through that journey. Well, there's actually been a, I'll, you know, I'll actually, I'll start you off really when I was in grade school is when I first started. Uh, so we went kind of go old school. The, the, the first thing, uh, my sister and I started, uh, um, a kid's garage sale. We would charge our our friends and neighbors money to do have a garage sale at our house. <laughs> so it kind of started at that. And then we did this like nickel arcade, like we made like our own, like fun things for kids to do outside, like courses, like golf and all types of stuff. And we charged I forgot we called that like some type of like fun land or something. So I always kind of was around that. And then growing up, my dad, uh, he was in sales and, he'd always help me put together. He always asked me to help him put together like marketing packets and stuff. Um, and so I just always help him with that. So it's kind of always this thing. And then high school, I was in an entrepreneurial camp in high school. And then in college, I started my first business as part of my business course I was taking. Uh, I aerated lawns. It was called Archer Aerating. And uh, it had like this little guy shooting a bow and arrow Ooh. and it would go up and land in the, in the ground like it's aerating lawns and stuff. Oh. And it was a great little business. Like I, man, I did quite well with that. And uh, after I graduated college, people still wanted me to to aerate their lawns every spring and fall. But I was like, no, I'm I'm good. But uh, <laughs> great experience, everything. So um, from there, I uh, let's see here. I went. Uh, I started working for this website called City Search. It was kind of like Yelp before Yelp, and I sold online advertising. And that's when I really started getting into the kind of the online space and kind of being interested in what was available. Um, from there, I started networking, going to lots of different meetups. Um, I ended up working for a number of different startups. One of them, I worked with the inventor of the wiki, um, Ward Cunningham. Um, he didn't create Wikipedia, but he created the wiki technology um, and he's based in, in, uh, in Oregon. And I worked with him at a company called About Us. And mm. it was basically an about us page for every type of business, but it was through like wiki technology. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, that my, my beginning into the foray. And then from there, I just was such a curious person student where I just went to a lot of networking events, met a lot of different people. Um, I started my own Portland beer wiki cause I got really into craft beer around probably 2007 mm. um, or maybe a little before that. And just kind of grew from there. Um, and then I started this thing called tap Lister in 2009 with several people that I met at this thing called beer and blog. It was this kind of uh, geeky get together. It was kind of like Portland's tech meetup in the early days. And, you know, we, we go to the green dragon, which now is rogue on the East side of Portland. I miss the and green it was just, dragon. Oh man. <laughs> Actually, ironically, I ran into, Yesterday, I ran into one of the owners, former owners of Green Dragon, and I talked to him about how, why that place was so special, because at the time, 
um, it was kind of like our cheers. Like everyone would go there, you know, everybody. And you, I met so many amazing people there. Now in Portland, we have, it's a double-edged sword. We have so many amazing beer places to go to. So maybe you don't see all those people. Uh, you have to take a little more effort. Um, but from there I met, uh, I met a guy who had some ideas about making it easier to find beers online with like, um, he wanted to do like a webcam that shows like a live chalkboard. Um, and then I wanted to do something where it would show beers that are on tap in real time and have a search engine for that. Um, and that's what we created. We came together and it was this kind of side project and I was kind of our, de facto leader and it kind of started off as a side project and then it kind of grew into a company. And so there's a lot, a lot more into that. So I guess, um, if you have any questions, maybe specifically getting into that. So, I mean, my first question, definitely when it comes to starting tapless, just you meet people at the green dragon and I'm wondering, like, how many people were involved at the inception? Um, did you have to? Did you did you bootstrap this, or did you have to uh, get capital in order to to get the the technology developed? Well, I would say that Tapster actually went through probably, gosh, maybe three or four different phases. The, the first phase, side project, you know, and I think that's why it grew so organically because we we're also passionate about it. And at the time, I mean, this is kind of funny and ridiculous, but. If there was a beer I wanted on tap, I would I literally would call a bar and say, "Hey, what do you have on tap?" <laughs> and I really wanted a certain beer or something. And so um, it was out of need, like you know how anyone starts anything out of need. We're trying to solve a problem. You know, we're not really. Maybe it's not everyone's problem, but it's it's a good problem. You know, it's so anyway. So we kind of were figuring that out. We came together. There was four of us. Uh, there was Kevin who was their developer. Scott was kind of worked at Bel Belmont station in the past and some other beer places. And then, and then Ken was our iPhone developer and we just kind of started working on things and we all just kind of put just barely any money at, at all into it to kind of get it going. And then eventually I was like, you know, we need to have some money coming in to sustain this thing, um, even as a side project. And so, as someone that's always done online or someone that's done sales his whole life, I was like, let's start putting ads on our website and, um, in our, in our actual, uh, iPhone app too. Actually, before this was even a thing in apps, we created our own little ad server and serve local ads in there from beer festivals and restaurants and bars. And so, um, we started to kind of growing it, growing it from there. And we made a little bit of money and then we launched at, one of the biggest beer festivals in the, in the U S the Oregon Brewers festival on the waterfront, uh, which is coming back, uh, this week for the first time in a number of years. Oh, wow. And that fest was such a big deal. I mean, over the course of it would go on a Wednesday through Sunday, you know, you'd have, I don't know, was it 60,000 people go to it or something and people from around the world go there. And so I was like, we have to launch, we have to launch there. It makes so much sense because it's our audience. So what I ended up doing was I, I negotiated with um, the people that run the festival and I said, hey, we're going to have a number of people helping people find, we're going to walk around, I, I'm going to have ambassadors, we're going to be tapless ambassadors, we had t-shirts made up and we're going to help people, we're going to educate people on their, on their beers on tap um, as well as like how to use our app and, and find what's available um, 
And because that's what we launched was actually was the world's first live beer search engine based off of Twitter. So you could actually go online, you could use Twitter and you can actually ask Twitter like, Hey, what's on tap at XYZ bar. And it would, a little robot would re- come back to you and answer that to you. Uh, like a, cha- like really a chatbot. Cool. Yeah. Kind of like okay. a chatbot. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And you this is kind of early ahead. on. Yeah. Yeah. You're way ahead yeah. of the curve here. That's amazing. So, so we, we did that. And so I negotiated like, gosh, I think it was maybe a thousand dollars or more in free tokens and mugs. Plus I got us to get a free, um, uh, booth at the festival and a bunch of advertisements like in their book. Plus they got me a bunch of press coverage where I was talking on all the news stations. So it was just a, the best way to launch. And I love that way of launching. I love launching things and I love bootstrapping. And so it was so much fun for me to be creative and figure out a way to make this passion thing, you know, come true. And, uh, we had just a great amount of people interested and then people were like, Oh, we want this in other, we want this in our city and stuff. So we slowly added other cities and, um, you know, especially like Seattle and other like kind of Northwest cities. And then we started getting people from different countries around the world contacting us. And that was just really cool. Um, and so that's kind of, the, that's kind of the first phase of, of, of tap lister. Um, then kind of what happened was we had a number, not everyone was kind of interested in doing it anymore. Cause it was, you know, it was a side project and stuff and, you know, people, especially our, that our, uh, Kevin, who was a developer on it, you know, he, he's coding all day long, you know, he doesn't really want to keep coding other things and stuff, but he was our main coder and everything. And he did a great job. And so, and it, Ken, Ken and I, who's the iPhone developer, we ended up buying out the rest of the people. And then we, then we ran with it for a while. Um, and then the, then I went through like a little kind of mini MBA kind of program, if you will, but which is uncredited called, uh, it was called Portland 10. It's now called 10 X, but basically it's an intense boot camp where you go on a, in the summertime. I think I want to say it's three months long, um, where you work with CPAs and attorneys and, um, everyone in between to kind of help you with your business. Uh, and then from there, I just learned a lot about, you know, running a business and, and what to do, what not to do. So long story short that, uh, we did that for a while and then I was like, you know what? I need a job again cuz I was I was sometimes I was I quit my job earlier doing social media marketing for a company at the time and I just wanted to focus on Taplister and then my friend from from uh from City Search we worked together at, he started working for Groupon. And he's like, "Oh, you got you got to come work for Groupon." I was like, "Yeah, like I'm doing this I'm doing this program right now in the summertime. I'm really busy and like I just don't have time for it. And then once I was done with the program or just about done with the program, I was like, yeah, I need, I need to get back into a job again. And, and that's when I switched to go work for Groupon. And we still did tap list on the side, but Groupon was, you know, something paying the bills. Yeah. 100%. And so would you say that this is what, like the second phase of tap lister, right? Where you're, you're, you were doing it full time and you're like, this isn't quite paying the bills, not quite meeting my personal needs. I'm going to get a job at Groupon and kind of push this back uh, to, to a side hustle. And and how long did it stay during the second phase? How long were you in that phase? That's a good question. Um, it might've been a couple years. Um, I, I, I decided I was kind of at the point with tap lister where I was like, we don't have 
all the right resources we need and either either we need to maybe stop doing this or we need to find some other people to make this work. And so I ended up um, buying out uh, Ken, who was the one of the original founders of Taplister with me. So I bought him out and, and I was like, I, I need to kind of go for this and everything. And so while I was working for Groupon, I actually had, uh, I applied to be part of this tech incubator called Upstart Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer in Portland. It's no longer available anymore, but it was an amazing experience. So I got accepted into this tech incubator while I was working at Groupon. And I was kind of in, it was a tough, tough place to be, a, g- a very good place to be, but tough because at Groupon, I was in sales, but then I actually pitched them on a, a role in the company. Um, which I kind of became an intrapreneur for that company where I created this marketing position as a community manager. Where I helped out people locally um, to kind of part PR, part marketing, part support. Um, so I create, I created this amazing role for myself, but then I got accepted this tech incubator and then I raised $250,000 and I was like, you know what? I have to go for it. I have to go for this tap lister thing because this is an opportunity I can't pass. Mm-hmm. And so it was very hard leaving Groupon because that was an amazing place to work. There's so many amazing people that I'd met there and some I'm still very good, close friends with. Um, plus they're based in Chicago. I'm a Cubs fan. So I always <laughs> love to go out there, visit my, my boys out there and stuff. But, um, so yeah, so with Tapless here, we, we had, we had this, all this kind of stuff going on. And then the next phase, the third phase, what happened was we got, I got this tech incubator. Then I was by myself and one thing I've learned, you know, I would not start a tech or into business again without a good co-founder who is high level, uh, like CTO or, or who's been programming for a long time and has some business sense too, ideally, um, which is so hard to find and everything because my mentors, my advisors at the Upstart Labs, they helped me find somebody to... I actually, I found somebody to help me vet this person. So I, I found a person to bring on as a co-founder of the new tap lister. And, um, he was going to be my, uh, CTO mm-hmm. and, and he was just going to work part-time for me and then eventually transitioned to full-time. And I ended up, he had the, he had digital beer boards. So basically a lot of places, um, now instead of having a physical chalkboard, there's a digital one. So he had a technology that had a digital chalkboard, which is basically, you know, just a, a screen with, with the tap list and everything. And then you'll use some type of device to hook up to internet. Maybe it's like a Chromecast or a computer, or whatever. So I ended up acquiring his technology at the time. So I took him on with Quire's technology and I was excited. We were in the right, right trajectory for everything I want to have happen. Turns out he decided that it was too much for him to do like basically 20 hours a week with me and 20 hours a week on his other job. But I think probably he was about to have a kid. I think that was probably the main issue, like, you know, stability and stuff. So, but it it really put me in a bad spot. And so I was going to then launch this new version of Taplister. We had, we completely rebuilt the platform. We had a brand new iPhone app. Um, um, and we're going to launch the great American beer festival, which is the, the biggest in the nation that's in Denver every fall. Mm-hmm. And it's a big deal. And so I had a whole marketing plan about launching there. And what happened was with this guy leaving the company, 
I had uh, like, I have two, I have like two months to figure this out. So the $50,000 salary I was going to pay myself that year, I had to pay a, a software development team so they could just finish what I needed to get finished um, on our platform in like two months. And mm-hmm. that was really tough because then, then I'm, I'm going to making zero dollars. Yeah. And that is, you know, I'm fortunate that my wife has always had, you know, a good job and I've always, even being entrepreneurial, I'm still smart about money and, you know, I'm not someone that needs all the fancy bells and whistles and stuff. So, uh, so that, that made things tough for sure. And so, and not having that person as part of the team, it it took me away from what I need to do is selling. And, and I still was selling, but when you have all these other things to do, you know, just like when you're doing a podcast, there's lots of stuff to do. Oh yeah. So you can only do so much yourself. And, I ended up running Taplister for a while and it was awesome. Like we, we had some good traction for a bit. I brought on this developer, um, who is an awesome guy and we're, we're still friends and everything. And, um, he worked with me, I don't know, for a year or something. And then I had to let him go, which is really hard. Cause I just, but I, the good thing about him, I was like, you're going to get a job that's going to pay you more than what I'm paying you yeah. and did, you'll, you you'll just be fine. Did you just not have the income to afford to keep him? I didn't have the, yeah, exactly. And, and I, you know, if I'm not paying myself and I don't have the income coming in and I don't have somebody to have as a solid partner, you know, it gets lonely. And this Mm -hmm. is the thing about being an entrepreneur, especially a solopreneur. It gets real lonely. It gets tough because you basically are having the thoughts, the conversations in your head. Um, And that's why it's important to, you know, talk to other people talk to your friends um, or have like a collective, a mastermind group or something where you can talk to people about your business ideas and have accountability and everything. So, so that made it, you know, made it kind of tough. And so I was, I was, I was doing it for a while. And then I was kind of just, the nice thing is uh, how, how we had things designed was uh, it was a system that I designed that from a sales perspective, it kind of supported itself. Mm-hmm. Like I got a fair amount of leads and stuff. And then I would just call people up and, you know, check in on them. And, but then what would happen is you get a bill for like your technology is having issues, you know, and then you're like, Oh, cool. We're doing pretty good right now. Well, we made $5,000 this month. Like, cool. Oh, now that $5,000 is going to, you know, a contract developer to make sure this new feature is working right or something. So yep. that's where it really hurts in the early phases. Um, for technology. Um, so then I, I, you know, I did it for a while and I got some publicity, um, around the country. Entrepreneur magazine did an article on me, um, mashable, a bunch of cool things happened. Um, but then I was at the point where I just don't think that I can do this by myself anymore. I've tried all these different phases. And so I've done everything I can. I think it's time to, to say this isn't going to work anymore. And so that was really difficult. So, I decided to make an announcement through email, newsletter, uh, website, social media that were shutting down. But something really fun happened that was amazing. Uh, the community was so supportive of of Taplister. So we had all these people wanting to help out any way they can. And I was just blown by. And then I had people starting wanting to buy it from me. And so it started becoming real. And I had probably three, three solid offers. 
And I would say two for sure, two really good solid offers. And and I'm like, this is amazing. So I ended up actually selling um, majority stake in Taplister uh, to to uh, someone else. Uh, his name is Mark Meyer, good guy. And then basically he hired me back to work for him and get some ownership in the company. So it was actually the best world for me. Then he um, he had he wasn't a developer, but he had a little bit of a technical background and has done some software development in the past. But he was definitely a good operator and stuff. So that it just that helped. And then we did it for a while. But I think it was just he ran it for a number of years. And then I think he finally shut it down a couple of years ago. So it just kind of ran its course. I think mm-hmm. if if things aligned earlier, I know we could have made it work and it would have been something that as a small business, just for a couple of people running it and and making like a a decent just a you know decent living and a li- but living your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, that w- that's always been important to me is like, I don't have to get rich. I just want enough to pay my bills and do what I want to do, but I want to do what I enjoy doing and have my passion, uh, you know, shine through what I, what, what I do. So Taplister basically has taken us through the whole phase there. So I, I was, for me, it's really cool to take a business from concept through its ups and downs and then to sell it. So it went through its full life cycle. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really proud I was able, I was able to do that um, and make that happen because a lot of businesses fail quicker. And then a lot of people take a lot of tech money and they, they never pay anyone back at all. I have friends that started tech companies that paid people back nothing. So I wasn't able to pay my investors back everything, but I was happy to, to give them opportunity to get some money back at least. And they had for a while shares into the new version of Taplister. So I felt good that I, I made that, that effort and stuff. Cause I don't want to take people's money unless I have to. And I don't want to, cause it makes it more real when you take someone else's money. We'll yeah. Say. Yeah. Cause they're betting on you. You know, they're making a, exactly. making a calculated bet on you and, they, and their belief and your ability to pull this off. So I definitely understand that. I think that, that is an amazing accomplishment. It is interesting. One thing I do want to talk about is the the the, the digital boards because you see that in every tap house yeah. you go into. Yeah, and you yeah. you had the keys to that technology for like. I mean, sure, are there different versions or is this like? Is it yeah. all based off of what Taplister had in the early? Oh days? no, no. There, there's, there's. We definitely didn't invent that concept. No, and it's funny because. When Taplister launched, we launched like a few, I think a few months before this other company called Tap Hunter. Mm. Uh, and they're out of San Diego. And it was so weird, like just like how similar everything we 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 both did. Um, and I met I met the people who started that at, when I was at South by Southwest a number of years ago. Mm, um nice. but yeah, there it's it's interesting just how people can come up with ideas that are similar, you know, and like, and, 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 but I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's just wild. I definitely think so. But I mean, that, that was, that's, that's one chapter that was in your life. It was full of excitement and, and challenges and you, you were able to, to, to come out ahead for the most part. And so I kind of yeah. want, one of the things that, you know, I didn't mention and I was supposed to, and during your intro was that you're a podcast host. And you know, I, I did mention you're a mental health advocate, so you know, I'm kind of curious 
how you ended up becoming a mental health advocate. Like, what was that journey like? Was 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 this awakening because of Tap Lister, or were there other factors that led you to really like hone in on your mental health and, and take that more seriously? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've been, I'm someone that I think I probably already always had some level of anxiety my whole life. Uh, but I, I went through depression when I was in college and, and, and that kind of, you know, kind of changed things for me. And, and so over the years, I try to better understand myself. And I would say that this year has really been a year for me of self-awareness. And I've spent a lot of time in trying to figure out me and all my, all my complexities, you know, inside there. And so I just been doing, you know, I've seen a counselor for, for many years, different counselors, um, read books, um, do, uh, you know, journal. I mean, try to do a little everything, you know, but for me, I guess the thing that has always been the best thing for my mental health is exercise. Um, and one of the challenges I have is when I, you know, I gave a basketball years ago because of, because of a back injury. And that's, that was my favorite thing to do period. It's like, that was like all I needed to do just play basketball and you're just having fun and stuff. So, um, so over, over the years, you know, I, I just kind of trying to find different ways to kind of help my mental health out. And then the last few years have been real rough for me and um, with the pandemic. And I, I, I worked at a place that in the early days didn't really, really believe in the pandemic and they've, we had to work in our office. <laughs> I, I had to work in my office the whole time. And I'll tell you, I was sick for like five weeks and I didn't have a lot of vacation or sick time. So I was going to the office sick, which I think is pretty lame to, to have to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I had COVID or not the time I was, it was early, it was January of 2020. So it could have been, um, but so I kind of felt trapped there in a lot of different ways and it wasn't the, the best you know place to work at and stuff. And so last year I left there and then this past year, I just been trying to find, you know, where can I fit in? Cause this is the one thing about being an entrepreneur. It's, it was a double edged sword to it where it's, it's great cause you learn a lot of skills and I would say I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a generalist that leans more towards, you know, launching things and sales and ideas. Um, and I'm not a person who is great at, I'm not an analytical person. Like in some ways I am, but I'm just, I'm not like a spreadsheet. Like my wife, my wife's in finance for a bank. She is all about numbers. She gets that. It's my mind doesn't work that way. So I've been kind of learning about more about what my mind is best at and trying to find the right place to put me in. Because I think it's like a sports analogy. You know, I think about like, think about like um, more recently, Let's say like Chris Paul. When Chris Paul went to um, Arizona to Phoenix, the Suns, yeah, the Suns. He he was like the perfect fit there. That was like the perfect place for him to be. And other places, you know, he he did fine and and this and that. But he didn't. Maybe you saw the real Chris Paul. I think kind of come out. And I think that's kind of the same thing with whether you're in business for yourself or you're working for somebody trying to find that right environment where you can shine. And it's tough. Like at Groupon, absolutely amazing and stuff. And and for me, the last couple, several places I've worked at just, you know, just wasn't the right fit. And so that is, those are some of the things I've kind of learned about myself and, um, and I think are good for anyone to take away. Um, and then recently I, I thought it would be good to, 
to take this course, this mental health first aid course. Okay. I, I, I found out about it about, let's say, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago. I wanted to take it locally. I couldn't find any place that was teaching it locally. So I took it online. And the, the concept basically is, you know, let's say like regular CPR. Um, the point of regular CPR is to kind of help assess the situation and get people, get people help. Um, but you're not that expert, you know, you have to, it, it might be a dangerous situation. You got to walk away. So this is the same type of thing. And like having the right types of skills, um, and just some basic knowledge, uh, knowledge of understanding, um, what these, what people are going through at the time. And they have this framework that is called algae and it stands for, um, assess for risk, uh, listen, non-judgmentally give reassurance and information, encourage appropriate professional help, uh, encourage self-help and other support strategies. So, so it's all about learning like the risk factors involved and the warning signs for people. So when you're interacting with people, you know, trying to look at their body language, how are they talking, how are they talking, um, and making sure that you're in the right mindset too. Because if your self-care is not there, you should not be helping help other yeah, people. Yeah. You have to make sure that you're you're okay because you might be and I, I know I've been like that way before where I'm trying to help people out, but I'm not always in the in the best spot because it's just in my nature to help people. And so this is this kind of an interesting program that they had. It's about a 10, 12 hour course. It's like a hundred, hundred, $140. It, it goes, it certifies you for three years and just, it's just information. It's not good. It's not only good for me, but it's uh, personally to learn some of these things in this class, but also to when I talk to other people. Um, and so now I've just been trying to get the word about this class too and help. Uh, I have some other friends that are talking about taking the course. So, um, that's kind of where I've, you know, I've kind of come back today is like kind of reassessing what makes sense because in the past, what I would, I, I kind of, I burned myself out multiple times, um, in the past number in the past 20 years easily. Cause I, I get so involved in things. I'm, I get so amped up and I, I can pour a lot of energy into things. And like with Tapless here, we did so much in it, when we launched that we accomplished a lot in a short period of time. Um, and I know I, I need to listen to your your recent uh, interview with the, is it Jesse Gold? Yes, yeah, Jesse Burnout? Gold. About yeah, I, I, yeah, I need to listen. I need to listen to that. I have a, a note, but, um, but yeah, it's just you you, you got to figure out the best way to to handle handle things, and that's why with with this podcast that I'm doing called Successfully Depressed, I love the name. I don't want to fucking love yeah, the name, you. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I say it, I'm like, oh, are people like scared of it? So that's no. sometimes I, I, I like it, but sometimes I'm like, oh, are people are going to be like, what is that? What is this guy talking about? Um, but that's kind of the point of it too. So, so you're an, you're an enigma to me. You're an anomaly because here yeah. you, you're kind of living a lot of people's dreams, uh, being an entrepreneur, having this uh, you know, amazing run at a startup, you know, all the highs and lows that come with that. You also, you know, what people don't know is you're also very into fitness and health and, and, you know, monitoring what you eat and, and you're, 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 you, you know, you, you care about sleep. You, you, you tick, check all the boxes of someone that would be like in control and like dialed in on their mental health. And yet like it's an issue and it's so bizarre to yeah. me because and I've, 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 I think every single person on the planet has dealt with their own issues at one time or another. 
but it it's just it's interesting to me that these are some some reoccurring themes. You know, burning yourself out, um, potentially being depressed, having trouble sleeping, uh, yep. tons of anxiety, like these these things. They they don't you don't fit the narrative. Like you're in shape. I know you exercise, so it, it doesn't. It it's mind blowing to me. It's not a once. I like to as much as I personally. I hate putting labels on people and I hate, but we all do it out of convenience, right? Same yes. with stereotypes. Yes. So I, I would like to like, I want to put you over in this box where it's like, Hey, this guy, he, he gets it. And this is why he's, he doesn't have, he's not depressed. He's, he's successful. He's, but that's, that's not the case. It's not the case. Right. And so it is like, I, I've just, it's fascinating to me that, I mean, I'm, I'm Jack that you have this podcast and you are helping that. And I, I feel like it's a smaller segment of the population that might be, um, in the same camp as you are, where it's like, well, you have everything. Why are you upset? Right. But, um, it's definitely, I, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on. It's basically <laughs> it is a long hey, roundabout uh, thing. What's wrong with you? Man? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, hey, I, <laughs> hey I, I'm trying to figure it out still myself. So if you figure it out, let me know because I, I would will. love to get those cliff notes. But uh, um, yeah, it, it, it just it's like a lot of people. Unfortunately, a lot of people are like that. You you see people like oh they're you know they seem so happy and successful and, and this and that. But when every everyone's different and you know we're driven by things from when we were kids and stuff that, you know, it's trauma and other things that are in our lives along the way that drive us to be a certain way. You know, it's also coming from, you know, what maybe it's the, the values that your parents installed in you and the, the, the people that you hang out with. So a lot of it, you know, molds us and we don't really recognize it and we don't necessarily want to be a certain way. And, and the thing about labels and that's actually, I'm, I'm kind of bounced around here, but the labels just popped in my head. That's one thing about the mental health course is, is, is it says, you know, not, don't put labels on people. So yeah. that's for sure. And then using a framework of language where you're talking to them as a person, not as, as a condition, yeah. you know, so being careful what you say. And that's still really like, even for someone that deals with, you know, I deal with uh, ADHD, depression, anxiety. So I still am having a hard time understanding how to explain that to people. Like, like, uh, when they're saying things and trying to support them, the type of right words to say myself. And I am a person that deals with certain things. So it, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's wild, but for entrepreneurs, um, there's a recent, uh, UC Berkeley study that states 72% of entrepreneurs in this study had some type of mental health issue. Um, so mental health and entrepreneurs is actually very common. Uh, the, the issues that they have because the highs and the lows mm-hmm. um, and the environments that they're putting themselves in. Um, and instead of that study, 30% um, had a history of depression, 19, a history of ADHD, 12% uh, substance abuse uh, and 11% bipolar. So lots of different, uh, I wanted to bring that fact out to kind of, kind of go along with, with entrepreneurship and how one thing I'm trying to look into more is, is it the right fit for everybody? And I, and I, and I love it, but also sometimes I'm like, Hmm, maybe this isn't always the right fit for me. And that's why, like when I was at Groupon, I became an entrepreneur, uh, which I didn't know about that term until recently. I interviewed my friend, Matthew Rolnick, who wrote a book called, um, how to find your yay. And he was, he was furloughed from Groupon. He was trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. And, and so he kind of talks about, you know, leveraging his network of people to, to create, um, opportunities for yourself. 
Um, and he wrote an article in Forbes about entrepreneurship. Um, and so I found that really interesting because I never really knew the, I guess the title or the label for that, but that's one thing I think is a great fit for, for, for some people. And that's like, for me, for example, I think, uh, if I'm in the right team, I want to be an entrepreneur or if I have the right support, um, I want to be with it. I want to have at least a team aspect or something like that. Cause I thrive off of those environments. Um, and then for, uh, um, like, uh, my friend, he created entrepreneurship at basically at a friend's company of his. Um, and so it just kind of made me think about that lately. I never even thought about that. Like that's cause you can be creative and you can also, uh, have a paycheck, which is nice, uh, yeah. have some structure. So that's something that right now, actually in my, in my podcast, that's something I want to observe more and kind of, I want to kind of walk through people through the different options. Like, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be an entrepreneur and also talk about, is this a hobby or is this a business? Because a lot of times I've even done this myself too, where I've, I've done like little hobbies and, and side hustles, but it's not really a business, you know, it's not something that's sustainable. It's something that you're trying out. So these are things right now that I'm researching, exploring, um, as well as mental health in the workspace, uh, in a twofold thing. One for employees to have a safe environment to talk to somebody about if they're having a challenge because under the American disabilities acts, they, they are supposed to get help up to a certain amount. Like if you're, if your job, you're not able to do it for some reason. Um, they try to have to make reasonable accommodations. Um, so I've something I learned about right now because I had a situation at a job that didn't give that to me and stuff. So I'm trying to find ways that I can get, help other people out and potentially help myself out in the future mm-hmm. around that topic. The other thing is educating the management and the culture of a company, um, on mental health. And there's a lot of great, you know, DE, DEI programs. They're doing more in, into diversity right now. Um, but I feel the mental health is definitely missing. And nowadays more than ever, just how our society is designed with like Facebook and, um, all the, you know, the getting the dopamine hits from getting a like, and the more stats you get on your mm-hmm. podcast download, like it's just kind of creating this culture where it's, it's just, it's so goal driven where there's just, you have to, you have to be careful if, if you're only too goal driven. So I just been myself exploring a lot in that, in that realm. And I've been trying to look at, okay, I am very goal driven and I've been able to accomplish a lot, but systems are better than goals often. And that's what I've been studying. Like there's um, atomic yeah, habits. man. Yes. Yeah. And I, I do want to hold this thought because yeah. I do have, a, what is yeah. DEI? I don't know what that means. Yeah. That's uh what is it? Like diversity. Is it like diversity? Inclusion? Is it say, equity uh, and inclusion. Equity training? and inclusion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. I just was like, what the fuck is DEI, bro? It sounds like a, like a, an organization in the government that's going to abduct the <laughs> department. Yeah. It's like the DEA. Yeah. Yeah. So, so watch out there, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. And that, I didn't know that term really probably until recently too. So I'm learning a bunch of this new stuff yeah, and acronym, absorbing all this ac- information. Acronyms. And, um, but, but yeah, atomic habits, you know, it's a book I haven't read yet, but I read some it, excerpts from it, you know, and then, uh, um, uh, is it, is it Scott Adams? Is that his name? From that did the Dilbert cartoons. Mm-hmm. He 
this is a concept that, uh, that he's really all about. Um, I'm not sure if he is the first person that came up with it, who knows, but, um, but it's really interesting. Just like the systems, like if we set goals, then we feel like a failure until we reach that goal. But yep. we have systems in place for basically hitting goals, you know, every day. And so that is something I've been really fascinated about. So right now I'm kind of a randomness of like learning. I'm just like self-awareness and just trying to understand how it can make sense of all this and help people out. And then from this, uh, maybe I'll have a clearer view of something that I think is helpful to myself and others. Well, let me share a story with you because when you said systems over goals, I got really jacked because that is the key. This podcast is a system. It's one that, that DeMarco and I have built over. We tried, John, you can pipe in. We fucking tried the goal route several times. And every time yeah, we tried we the goal route, we failed. And it wasn't until like I was ready. John always was ready. John's a gamer. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was ready and was like, let's take this seriously that him and I sat down and we built a system. And when you build yeah. a system, you're able to reach the goals that you may have set earlier, but in a much more controlled, thought out way. It's, it's a lot more methodical. There's not as many highs and lows. And there's a lot of things that have to happen that are like quite boring. But like mm-hmm. systems are the shit. They're amazing. It's building the systems that can get a little confusing. And there's a lot of trial and error that go into that and tweaking, right? You got to be tweaking. You got to be nice. But like, dude, systems over goals is if you can create a system in your life that you incorporate exercise, you know, eating correctly, and then a a good work-life balance, if that's part of your system, Mm -hmm. fuck, dude. Yep. You're you're miles ahead of where a lot of people would be. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly when, when I have like a, a set schedule, that's, you know, definitely when I, when I thrive and, um, it just, yeah, obviously makes, makes things, uh, a lot, a lot easier. So, and it, you know, it's funny too. It's like, uh, a lot of people, uh, this is the way I am. And I think a lot of people are like this too, where it's, we know what to do, but it's hard for us to do it for ourselves. It's so much easier for other people to like, if I was to say, Oh, you know, Rick, like, uh, this is all you need to do. Like, like come out with the different things. Like, that would be pretty easy for me, but for my, for yourself, that's where it gets, you know, it, it can be, uh, you know, much more of a challenge and everything. So, um, but I, but I, I agree with that. And I, that's why with this podcast, I, I fight myself I'm like, Oh, I want it to be out every day. And this, or, sorry, not every day, every week, but I'm like, Nope, every other week, slow and steady, especially since I'm doing everything myself. It's a, it's a lot of work. Um, but I'm excited because your podcast, let's see, you guys are at what? 93 published right now. Mm-hmm. I think so. So yeah. I think we need just, we'd have to have a party here coming up soon for the number 100. Cause that's, it's that's happening. really oh, it's something that in the works. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. <laughs> Where's the invite guys? Well, no, Come you're, on. You're, you're definitely invited. We, it's just <laughs> like, that is a known thing that I've, John and I have talked about. It's like, I, I just moved in. Uh, I want to have a, 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 a celebration that we made it to hundred because that this, you know, we've been, seriously seriously doing the podcast for two years but we've been mm-hmm. podcasting for like six but like with long breaks and a lot of bullshit and lost episodes and when we were babies we didn't know what we were doing but seriously we doing we were also like, in college too at the beginning yeah, of that yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, we were gone. Yeah, we I met. didn't realize you were doing this that long. Have, have, have we ever told the, the story? Uh, if we like the official story, we have not told no, the official no. story of the pod. I feel like the time is now. The time is Might now. Do it. Okay, so actually, I. I think it was the first time I listened to like Tim. I, I found out about podcasting. I was pretty late to the game. And someone's like, you got to check out this guy named Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. So I listened to both of them. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. So I went to Best Buy and I used a credit card. I bought a laptop and then I went on Amazon and I bought a microphone, like a AT2020 or Audio Technica AT2020 microphone with a USB yeah, a USB yeah. microphone. Yeah. Yep. So so I, I bought that and then I was walking around on campus at Oregon State and I saw John. He's like, Hey man, what are you doing? I was like, I'm gonna record a podcast, dude. I've started a podcast. This is what I'm doing. And he's and he looks at me and goes, I'm in. Can I be in? And I was like, yeah really He's well, like, well hold on. you're leaving you're leaving out of detail so like we met working at surplus oregon state surplus Best right and hung out and then how long was it like i i only worked there for like six months maybe um and i left and then we didn't get in contact again for what maybe a year yeah. or two yeah about that at, we were it at the uh, rec center dixon in the sauna oh, and like sorry. i saw rick enough around the weight room that a bunch of times I was like, boy, that looks like Rick. Is that Rick? I should go talk to Rick. Well, he looks really angry. I'm going to leave him alone. He's busy squatting, you know? And then like, you know, us sitting buck ass naked in the, in the sauna, he's like, I'm doing a podcast. I was like, oh shit, I'm going to be an audio engineer. And he's like, oh, you want to be my sound guy? And I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. And then we interviewed a, a that, I think the first, didn't the first one we did was Thomas Graham. I think, I think we'd done, other interviews, but Thomas Graham was like the first big one, um, who mm -hmm. was uh, the one of the leading voices in nuclear non-proliferation, uh, I believe, in the Reagan administration. He wrote, I, like he wrote the treaties. Yeah, for, he wrote he wrote a lot that, of the treaties. Yeah. yeah, he's essentially like one of the people responsible for the end of the Cold War. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so an amazing person. He was in his like eighties and would fly from Virginia to Oregon State and teach a class a few nights a, a week and was like, we're trying to get people like you in the government. You guys need to learn. Honestly, we're off on a tangent right now, but the motherfucker was right. Um, I'll tell you a few things mm -hmm. about him. Number one, his biggest fear was nuclear war. Number two, he was always about, we need to understand the Russians more. We have lost a lot of our knowledge base on Russian culture. There's no longer classes. We need more classes. We need to understand these people because it's a different you know, philosophy, a different school of thought. They're of a Soviet mind, a different mind. We need to be able to understand them and communicate with them more. This is a problem. Okay, and this was, you know, 10 years ago. I, mean, I don't know, maybe like six, seven. I don't even know if he's alive. Gosh, Anyways, I'm pretty sure he's alive. I'd be so. surprised. If he's, he he, he's he talked to me. He's like, you should get a job in the government. If you've listened to me talk, you know, that's not going to happen. But um, one of the things that struck me was during our interview, uh, we used to have these kind of stupid, silly questions uh, when it was. He's in still, he is alive still. Okay, he's 88. good. In, he's 88. Yeah, this guy was in his eight, you know, 80s traveling on a plane. Badass. Anyways, we used to have these questions. One, do you believe in Bigfoot? Because, like, I, I think that's cool, you know. Uh, you're, or, you're, it's the Northwest. You yeah, have to have yeah. that question asked. Back in the day. And then the other one was, like, do you believe in aliens? And and he, he sat and thought. 
And he goes, yeah, I believe in microorganisms. And I was like, okay, but that, all right, that makes sense. But I'm kind of thinking of like intelligent life. And he goes, yes, but I don't think we'll ever meet them. And I was like, why, why do you feel that way? And he goes, because I think any intelligent species that is technologically advanced has already destroyed themselves. And, and in the, wah, wah. I just completely went silent and I was like, so you've dedicated your life to nuclear non-proliferation and you still feel that, and he's like, yeah, that we will destroy ourselves. I 100%. We've had too many close calls as it is. And it just, it, I think that that's going to happen. I mean, the dude kind of foresaw all of this. I think that's probably what he's trying to tell us, but we were in our early twenties and we were too stupid to understand that like, you know, what's going on now, I'm sure he's been following that for decades because there's decades of things that are, that's going on with the U Ukraine and, and whatnot and the Russian conflict. And so I don't know how we got here, but, uh, oh, we were talking about the, uh, the ethos of the podcast, but yes, we've been, John and I have been in communication and been scheming on the podcast for like six or seven years. But then like during COVID, we, I had a lot of time to myself. Yep. I had, a, I had a lot of time to myself. I had a lot of soul searching i had i was in great shape i i was i believed in myself for the first time in mm -hmm. a long time and i knew i knew my power and i knew what i was capable of and and uh, a friend called me and asked me like hey how's that podcast going how are you really trying on it and that was one of the most difficult questions anyone's ever asked me because a one of my best friends is asking me this and two i'm not going to lie to him and the answer was i was I wasn't doing much and I was letting John down. I was letting myself down and it fucking hurt. And after that conversation, I called John and we talked for like an hour and a half, two hours. And I was like, listen, we need to do this, this, and this. And then he, his response to all of my responses was this finally motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> for real, no, I had been like, I was, I was at that level since he was like, you want to be my sound guy? I was like, okay, let's start getting shit and let's do this. Well, you know? I was a little I, bit, bit was, more poor at the time. So, I well, mean, yes, I mean, so was I. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but I was but, ride or die from the start. He was ride or die from the start we've had people come and people go but it's just it's john and i it's our baby and mm -hmm. um i think that we're gonna do you know we've talked about doing eventually i don't god willing in the winter time we're gonna do a few series on the dogon people um we want to mm -hmm. get into some investigative journalistic type podcasts it's um of some you know maybe just me talking and outlining a story there's there's a lot of different avenues that we're gonna take this this place this 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 space you know we who knows you know i think the rick's mind podcast is going to be the ethos of it all but there's so many different forms of media that i think him and i would like to get into uh, but that right now it's we're just too ambitious for our own good and we're also like the same kind of personality that it's like, Ooh, that looks fun. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 The, 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 I would say that the best part of this is like he, I've changed. Like he's, he's more of a dreamer. I used to be a dreamer, but when I'm a dreamer and he's a dreamer, nothing gets done. We just talk. No. So like I'll, I rein you in a little bit. I'm like, okay, we got to do this, mm -hmm. this, and this first, and then we can do and the other things. Expand your, and I, and I also too try to, I, I constantly push you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I, I, which I, is, yeah, that's a hundred percent true, dude. That's a hundred percent true. It's fun, you know, but it's like, you know, you are, you're not at all stuck in your ways or like, don't like to do things or don't enjoy new situations or 
or information. You just kind of like, you're so interested in so many things. You kind of just lock in on those and don't always tend to be like, well, I'm always doing, I'm already doing this. So I can, you know, we can't do this. And it's like, yeah, but this is really cool. And here's why. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And he's very patient with me because I say no a lot. Like, (laughs) Um, I always say my my immediate uh, response. Yeah. My immediate, (laughs) I, yeah, my immediate response to any of his, and I, it it takes a special person to deal with me. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. Absolutely not. And then like a day later, I'll be like, I thought about it. You're a fucking genius, sir. Let's do it. So it just, it just takes a while. Cause I don't, I don't know why I am that way, but like we understand each other. I've had, I've had the conversation with my wife several times when I'm like, I bring something up and you're like, no, we're not doing that. And then later I'll just be like, yeah, he said no, but like, I'm sure within a week we'll be moving that way. It'll be fine. And then like two days later, Rick will call and be like, dude, you're right. We got to do it. We're doing it now. I was like, okay. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's not like Rick's like, like, Hey John, I came with this great idea, which happens to be, Not his idea. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> no, I'm not. I am not that kind of person at all. I no. hate people like that. that would be, no, I just, I think it's just a defense mechanism because generally like everything that we're going to end up changing involves money. And I'm like, no, I think it's a, mm-hmm. something I got from my dad being a tight ass or whatever. I just like, I yeah, want to think you can, about you it. You can be, but like anytime it's a big expense, you're always just like, ah, and then I have to like kind of like massage it me. just a little yeah. bit to be like, here's why we need to yeah. do it. Like finally you bought a, a microphone like this when after I sent it, it was like, hey, doesn't this sound nice? Isn't this cool? And you were like, oh my God, I'm going to buy one. And you bought one literally the next day. Yeah. Like. Yeah. That's so. good. Baby steps. for, but, for yeah, Rick it's, there, It's a baby step. I'm a very baby step person. Yeah. 100%. See. My opinion when I heard this is like get John what, get John what he needs, man. Because you're, you're not having to edit, man. As someone has to edit stuff, that's a pretty sweet thing there. You would not. You guys have I'm a like, good relationship. Like, I'm like, we're, it's like a you know, it's like a mom and a dad in a family. It's like you know, Rick's the he's the pocketbook. He's the one who's like running the show and you know doing everything and then i'm in the behind the scenes just kind of setting shit up to make sure it just goes smoothly yeah. you know that's what you need you need see that's what that's what works for you guys and that's kind of i was talking about earlier is um is the foundation like founding any any project you're doing it doesn't have to be a business who's your who are your co-founders and do they do they supplement your skill set like i think about my my wife like i've i'm i'm a dreamer but i'm also a, a, a doer but she also is she's someone that will also bring me back to reality and say, okay, maybe we should just like stick on one thing. And that's actually a tapestry. She's like, you, you're doing a million different things. Cause at the time I was like writing about beer for beer from beer publications. And, uh, well, uh, I had, Oh, I had a Amazon. I have a, I have a, a failed TV pilot on Amazon, uh, a craft beer failed TV pilot on Amazon. Which is kind of random. I think that, that's I, I just forgot about that. Do, do you ever think about resurrecting some of these projects? Um, like so, and I have a beer blog too, which I just renewed the domain that was in Squarespace, and it was really hard because it's like I haven't updated this thing in three and a half years, but I'm like I hate to see it go. <laughs> so, um, I guess I'm not sure. Like I want to, what I want to do is I want to find some people to work with on projects, like really for my for the successfully depressed. That is, I think, 
I think, and I've, I've grown as a person, like I still like the beer stuff. I'm not into it. Like I used to be. Cause I also used to throw beer festivals. Like there's so many things I used to do. Like I had a period of like 10 years where I did a million different things and I can't even remember them all. Can I pause this? Like, yeah. How not like, I just, I'm the whole throwing a beer. What I want to do so bad at some point in my life, I want to throw, I want to do a concert series. And I feel mm-hmm. like I want to get into the concert business because there's a lot of towns in or all over the nation, right? Where they're kind of sleepy towns, maybe really beautiful v- sleepy towns with maybe like a, a venue or a farm or some, something to where it wouldn't be that hard to throw a fucking concert slash festival. And if you could like, you could partner with a local brewery and see if you could, if you could prove to them that you have ticket sales and they could get the rights and you could charge them a fee. Like, I just think that a, a hustle like that, like if you just did it one time would be amazing. And I feel like the high of pulling something off like that, I've, especially in a smaller town where you, you're bringing industry and you could, you'd have people selling, you could make so much money. I just can't yeah, imagine I, what that would feel like. I feel like it'd be, feel so, fucking incredible. So I, I've been, I've been involved in, uh, I like to throw in events. I've been involved in a number of different events. Um, and, um, I, I helped start, uh, Portland, uh, beer week. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not involved with any, anymore. My, my friend who officially started, um, his name's Ezra. You know, we, we did like a, we didn't do all the events, we, but we influenced like a hundred beer events, like in 10 days or something. Mm-hmm. And so I did a, a, a rye beer fest. My wife likes rye beers. And Damn. at the time, no one was doing it a number of years ago. And I said, this is, this is kind of my, I guess p- people earn brownie points different ways. I threw my wife a beer fest on a beer that she, a style that she liked. So that, that's, that's, that's what I did. I think that was kind of a, it's a baller move now, mm-hmm. but she would say, how come, uh, around the house, you're not so good about stuff that would, <laughs> that would come back to that. So, oh, but how about that one time I did that thing for you at the beer fest? No. So, um, so I, I think when I, when I'm in a, when I'm in a, when I'm in my right mindset of health, healthy body, healthy, healthy mind, I'm fearless. And that's when I'm what willing to do. I can, I'll just do whatever I want. Like, as far as like, Oh, this is a cool idea. I want to just try this out. And I think that's one reason which has been very helpful for me is that I've tried some different things out and some, some I put a lot of effort into and some not, but I have a pretty long list of things I've accomplished. And, and so that kind of helps me like when I take on new projects or come up with new ideas, I have a kind of a different perspective than just kind of like one thing. Like, I kind of move on like the beer world. I did that for a long time and I haven't really been doing that for, for a while now. And, and I might bring back my beer fest next year on a small level. Um, but now I'm trying to do something different, like to successfully, successfully depressed. Like this is really interesting to me. And so I want to find somebody to help me with the podcast or, or people that, and I'm not trying to make right now. I have nothing. This has nothing to do with any money. This is just something that I wanted to learn podcasting. I wanted to learn ways for, self-awareness ways to improve me and prove others because the successfully depressed the, ta- the basically the the motto is you know we're trying to help solopreneurs you know navigate their their mental health and their physical health um you know in life and in, bu- in business and so it's kind of these two tiered things and even if you don't start a business it could be interesting for you if you work at a company because i'm 
like I said, trying to do some more research, interview people that, um, you know, do the diversity training or HR managers, like how they're trying to, you know, support their, their, um, uh, their, their, their work staff, because in my experience, I've worked for multiple companies that say they're the best places to work for in Oregon. And they're not, they're, they're not <laughs> like in a lot of ways they, they can be, but they, they don't have certain, you know, like mental health type programs and other diversity type programs and everything. So that's like my, my little tangent there. But I think what's great about what you guys have done is like, 93 years about to 100 you just learn so much in longevity because that's what i keep telling myself it's like this is a marathon this is not a sprint like just keep bringing it down because why why burn yourself out on something and then you're done in like six months and then you're like on to the next thing and so that's where things there's things that i do to try to make sure i don't i don't do that and sometimes i'm great at it and other times i'm not so mm-hmm. i have to di- i have to tell these things to my self like okay is this really is this something i really want to do is this like an ego thing i was like oh i want you know attention or something like if it goes that far that way too much then i know that's a danger that's not the right thing for me to do if this is something that i feel like i'm passionate about and and want to help people then that's like more so I've, I've always been a passion person and that's what when i'm passionate i just exude energy and i'm so excited so like Certain times in my life, like working for doing tap list here when I was in the tech incubator, that was amazing. I made all these other people starting businesses up and made friends with some of them. And just like, so for me, it's that kind of that culture and everything. So I'm glad that you guys have, you have this um, relationship where you're kind of specializing in one thing and other person specializing in something else. And you've been working on it for a while mm-hmm. because it takes a long time to make this stuff. It could be like, <laughs> five more years before it's like blows up. And that's what we, that's what we talk about all the time is like, we still suck. We've done a hundred of these things and we still, we, I can, I need to be a better host. You know, John's pretty dialed in, but I need to be a better host. I need to get, I need to get better, but we can always get better in that. And it, if, even if it takes us 20 years to get where we want to be, we're still going to be around. Like, cause we, this is, we've, we've, we've built out a system well enough to where it's sustainable. John can still do other projects and whatnot. It's not a a huge burden. It's not taking over our lives because we, this isn't paying our bills yet. When it does pay our bills, we will gladly let this bitch take over our lives and consume us. But until that point happens, it, we needed to be able to set it up to where we could go feast famine. And we, 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 we have, we have a very good system right now. Yeah, we have a I very good like. system right now. Yeah. And, and it's and, taken us like, I mean, the other thing to add to what you were saying, Carrie, is definitely like that's been my philosophy has been it's, this is a long con, you know, this like, I don't, I genuinely don't care if it takes five years, 10 years, 20 years, however it, we make it is that's the goal, you know? Yeah. And just having that mindset to not be afraid to fail at things and, and like not being stuck in the same idea, like I, I don't even know what is it. This is like sort of like the fourth or fifth iteration of okay. the idea that we've been doing, yeah. you know. And it's always it's constantly changing, based on kind of. It's truly like a you know every podcast. Yeah, I think not every podcast, but any podcast that's truly done by like a core group of people, a small group of people, is a work of art in a way. And like this is our 
this is our art and our art changes based on whatever era we are in. Yeah. That's actually, that's a, John, I, I love that. That's a great, this is your art. And, and that I would agree with that. And I, so my, my, my wife is a great artist. My parents are great artists. I am not <laughs> at all. And, and so I never had that type of art, but like, I, my projects are kind of my art. That's I've, I really realized the last year or two. I'm like the, actually these are my arts. This is, this is an expression of me. And so, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm fairly open book about things. So like, it's like, this is, this is what you see is what you get. I'm not, you know, sheer code anything, you know, uh, I, I don't like when people do that kind of stuff. And um, one of the best things I learned in art school was learning about how not to assume what art is because like, you know, not, you know, not to be political, but the idea of like objectivism in art, like art is X, Y, Z with rigid rules originates from fascism. It comes from the idea that, you know, only classical Western art that is, you know, like basically like Renaissance style, highly detailed paintings or sculptures, classical. That is the only kind of art when that's bullshit. Art is whatever someone puts into something that they craft, whether it's a business or a sculpture or a song or a film, doesn't matter. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a really good quote from the great Zach Morris as Say by the Bell. <laughs> what is art? Are we art? Is art art? Yeah. Noodle on that for a few minutes, guys. <laughs> you just dated yourself, dude. <laughs> I know. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Yes. But I was like, do you guys know what Say by the Bell is? I hope you do. Yeah, we do. I, we got the tail of that yeah. when we were kids, I think. Yeah. I never yeah, watched figured. it, but I know did, of it. I remember yeah. Step by Step, too. And Steve I did Urkel. watch that. Oh. Was it? Was mm -hmm. it oh. That, was that was family, um, matters. family matters. Family, family matters. matters. Yeah, family matters. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like a lot of random pop culture references too. So oh yeah, hell uh, yeah. Well, well, Carrie, tell tell the good folks where they can find you. I want you to plug any social media, podcast, all that, all that. Just books. You're gonna write a book someday. I can feel it. <sighs> yeah, I, uh, maybe <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, there's um, so for me, so successfully depressed is on all the major. Uh, uh, Spotify, you know, um, all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, um, Apple, Google, Amazon, so forth. Um, if you want to check out my website, carryfinsand.com, it's K-E-R-R-Y-F-I-N-S-A-N-D.com. My podcast lives on there. Um, I'm also building out some other content on there or I plan on um, regarding the successfully depressed kind of business business tips and mental health tips. Uh, that's a great place to find me. And then um, social handles are typically for me like K Finsand on, on most uh, uh, social profiles. But uh, yeah, guys, I really appreciate the the time on here and, and I'm glad to see your success and, uh, and uh, appreciate the help that you guys have given me and uh, over the last number of months and uh, tips and whatnot on podcasting. Anytime, man. I, I look forward to seeing your show rise, and uh, I know that it's going to be a fantastic uh, podcast, man. I'm, I'm glad it's launched. I, I'm glad that you're you're doing it, and uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. You'll definitely be back, man. Hundred percent. 
Sounds good, brother. Yep. Love you, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, we keep on keeping on. John, you better subscribe on YouTube or I will murder John. That's Rick's Mind Podcast. And we have a Clips channel as well. Uh, Rick's Mind Eclipse, right? I'm right there, John. Um, Yeah. And uh, leave us five stars if you deem us worthy on iTunes. That's also uh, much appreciated. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Bass, Gas Prof. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm done with that joke. Anyways, we'll talk to you later, guys. Love you. Peace.